Hello, welcome to Tea Hangs from the Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about The Post, uh, the second film that Tom did in 2017, or for some people, the first. Uh, came <laughs> out right in that window to get it nominated for awards, and nominated it got uh, 22nd December 2017. It made a ton of money, because of course it's been directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, but Tom's not getting top billing, because quite frankly, when Meryl Streep is in your film, you come second. Uh, this is a second film in 2017 where Tom has taken the role of the sub, uh, being dommed by women. Uh, first Emma Watson and now Meryl Streep. He's getting second billing. He's he's growing more humble in his uh, in his old age. Uh, it made three times its budget back. And joining me to talk about today, I have returning from Charlie Wilson's War. I have Andy. Hello. And I have Philip. Hello there, the dream team that brought you Charlie yes. Wilson's War. <laughs> yeah. Only politics. I said to you guys. I said if you're going to be guests together, we got. It's just got to be politics. Well, it's not going to be anything else that we can. We talk first about. started. We first started together on Philadelphia, and we're like, let's keep this. This oh uh, political. I mean political, political film. drama going. Yeah, yeah, I mean Philadelphia is super political, isn't it? You know, it doesn't get more political than Philadelphia. <laughs> apart from this, maybe because you know there's a ton. There's a ton of actors who've played politicians in many different films. Um, which is kind, of, which I just thought was kind of weird. But yeah, obviously, you know, Steven Spielberg working with Tom for the fourth time, I think, um, off the top of my head. Three, uh, five, sounds fifth, right? Think fifth, Ryan, right? Terminal. British Spies. Catch me if you, you can. British This is at this at this point, I've seen so many Tom Hanks films, <laughs> and I mean, it's been, you know, I've just I've just had to sit through the fifth Ron Howard. Uh, collab with Tom and you know things have that gone was downhill Inferno, with that collaboration. Huh? But with this, ah, yeah. Well. But with this one, things have things have kind of stayed relatively the same level. You know, this was a well-reviewed yeah. film. Uh, apparently, somebody felt you know from the National Board review that it was the best film of 2017. I feel like they were overlooking some of the stuff that probably came out that the year. <laughs> but you know, 88 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, Tommy's back into the into the you know the good the good reviews. Um, and of course, I, I mean, I mentioned this on Sully, and uh, I think Bridge of Spice as well. It got nominated for the AARP's Movies for Grownups Awards uh, for Best Actor, wow. Best Actress, Best Director, Best Time Capsule, and uh, Reader's Choice Poll. It was nominated. It won nothing, but still, you know, it also got nominated for a couple of Oscars um, and just everything. I, I don't everything. Not to put you on the spot. Yes. Not to put you on the spot. I so I just learned that this AARP award exists. <laughs> I can't believe something was more suited for the ARP award than the post. I, well, yeah. What was it? I, I don't. I don't know who the winners are. I just know when Tom's the, been nominated. And the like winner. I said, this is like the, okay. This is the third I, time. I'm looking at the ARP yes. movies for grownups awards best uh, film of 2018. Uh, no, that's not the right year. Hold on. Uh, it's, it's a 2018 mm-hmm. ceremony, but it's the two. Th- yeah, yeah. You know, they so, place them so, the ceremony. Uh, Guillermo del Toro won for The Shape of Water. It's it's interesting. Like best time capsule oh. was Dunkirk, not The Post. Yeah, I mean, that, I can yeah. see. Yeah, that. I, I mean that is a good sure. time capsule. Uh, best picture though uh, was Star Wars. <laughs> Surprised by that. Yeah, Star Wars <laughs> episode nine, uh, episode eight, The Last Jedi, took best film. Oh my god! Those, controversial. They, because of Carrie Fisher, I would think maybe. Maybe. <laughs> because again, I mean, you've got senior citizens as key key characters. Because of, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got a couple senior citizens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. You know, I would think that would probably swing yeah. things. But given sure. given Steven Spielberg being, how did he not win Best Director? I mean, 
you know, I just... yeah, I, I like I say, I know nothing about this award <laughs> uh, or 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 yeah. how they vote, but apparently they're very open minded. I only bring they're it. Very, I only uh, bring it up because it's called movies for grownups, yeah, no, and it's just they're... Like... <laughs> yeah, they're like Star Wars. <laughs> They've got great. I think they have a category too where it's like best. Is it them? One of them ha- has a um, yeah best intergenerational film. Where it's like a category, yeah, for, yeah. Oh, where yeah, it's yeah. a story with young people and old people, or two, you know, multi generations. I was, I was. It's, it's always interesting to look That's at what such they a... nominate and win. I love that. Uh, what's the longevity? <laughs> like, how many times are you going to be like, well, this year we have three movies to nominate. Next year we have two. You know, like, what if you don't have any good ones? Oh, I mean, cl- well, but like the Florida Project. The Florida Project is the one that won. So I mean, you know, they. I think they're picking good things. You know. Okay. Oh, okay. I was thinking. I guess I was thinking more like I was thinking like Godfather Part Two, where you have <laughs> oh, one story right, right, and another yeah. story. So okay, sure. Yeah, but you're right. Okay, yeah. Then yeah. then there's um, so you know it got nominated for a lot of stuff, and uh, and you know obviously like I said, Manuel Streep is is you know is headlined in this one. Uh, the film takes a you know a little while to introduce Tom, as the Circle did. In fact, I think it's roughly the exact same time. It's about twelve minutes into the film before we actually get Tom Hanks. Um, and then we also have, obviously, you know, Carrie Coon doesn't come without Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts doesn't come without Carrie Coon. You know, we we have the the carpool, yeah, the the August uh, Osage County connection there with uh, with Meryl Streep. Um, you know, Bradley Whitford worked with Tom in Saving Mr. Banks. We've got Matthew Reese, who of course will spend a lot more time on screen with Tom in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, Bruce Greenwood is playing Bob McNamara, but of course, uh, in Thirteen Days, he played JFK, and there's a lot of talk about Jack. In this particular, yeah, film. he's been he's been on both sides of <laughs> yeah. the same. I would I would yeah, love to show. I would love to get like a, a, a like a stage thing going where he plays all the different like presidential roles yes. he's played talking to each other um, <laughs> because I think in this yeah. year in the in 2017 he also did like two other films that were connected to the Nixon era because he did uh, the he was on the documentary for Mark Felt um, who obviously of course was decoded. Oh, wow. Um, we've got Alison Brie. We've got Jesse Plemons, who of course was in Bridge of Spies. Jesse Plemons reunited with other Breaking Bad cast members, David Costabile and Bob Odenkirk. Um, Bob Odenkirk, like being essentially third build in this thing. I mean, he's he's like he's in it a lot. Yeah. Um, of course, if you've got Bob, you've got to have David. So we get David Cross uh, <laughs> reunited from that one episode of Arrested Development they were in that I talked about. <laughs> Um, yeah. And you also have other kind of like TV alum because you've got like Zach Woods um, in there as well. And you've also got uh, Michael Stilbarg, who has, um, you know, recently has been in MCU films, but, you know, was a well-respected actor. People loved him in A Serious Man. Uh, Pat Healy, who's who's recently on Better Call Saul, uh, was also in a film called Run with um, Sarah Paulson. Uh, so he's worked. So there's a lot of people who've worked with each other before this film and then one of the like the and sarah paulson yeah and sarah yeah. paulson and one of the more key roles in the film is played by an actress called jesse Mueller, and this is her film debut and she hasn't done any she's only done like one more film since um what and but she's a tony winner uh, yeah she's and, she, and she's mostly on tv if i'm if i'm honest she's done a lot of tv stuff but she's oh, only yeah. done two feature films um in the last five years which is you know the, the the amount of play they get out of her character, who's like the you know the uh, does all the like social stuff in DC, it's you know there's a lot of discussion about the the Nixon Cox wedding. <laughs> I, I so here's here's my first opinion about this, and I want to I want to poll of the room here. Like I get the feeling sometimes when you're somebody like Steven Spielberg and you get to this level, 
where you can literally just get anybody in your movie. Yes. You know, just like, I, I just want them all. Feels kind of distracting to me. And all, and I almost want to say a little lazy. Because, like, it's nothing against these actors. You know, they're all great. But it kind of feels like, for someone like Jesse Mueller, for example, it's like, she's a Tony Award winning stage actress. So it's like, so what should we have her do? It's like, well, we'll have her sit at a desk and talk about a wedding. Like, it's not really a, the best use of her skills. It's not the best use of what, you know, if people who know her, my wife and I watched this and she's a big Broadway buff. She's like, oh my God, it's Jesse Miller. And then it was like, <laughs> then she's gone. And I just, I get the feeling it's like, that's a little, I, I, I guess in my mind, I wish that they had cast somebody who, for lack of a better term, needed the exposure. Yeah. You know, like some actual unknown to be like, oh, that person is perfect. And now they've been in a Steven Spielberg movie. I feel like Jesse Mueller or Bob Odenkirk and David Cross and all these guys are like, they're probably going to be okay without the Steven Spielberg. I mean, maybe not. But but you don't, I don't know what your feeling is about that. It feels a little distracting to me sometimes. I mean, this this cast is just so stacked. Like, from top to bottom, every single... Like, even, like, tiny mi- like minor roles where, you know, someone's on screen for, like, less than a minute are, are effectively names. Like, even, like... Uh, you know Jesse Plemons is that like lawyer? He's in like what three scenes? Totals probably yeah. maybe less than a couple of minutes. Um, and you know you're like if it, it, it feels like t- like too small of a role. But you know I guess if Steven Spielberg's like, hey, do you want to be in this film I'm making? I don't imagine there's many people out there being like, uh, no, thank you, Steven. I don't think I'll work with you know. No, yeah, I get why they yeah. said yes. I'm putting it more on Spielberg's thing because it feels a little bit like. You know, oh, who could we get? Uh, what's the first name you think of? Great. Get them and, uh, yeah, that person and sure. You know, and I, I, I don't I, know. Just, I, I guess it doesn't weird. strike me as too odd because, I, mean, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I struggle in certain films. Like when I, uh, thinking, for example, of like The Thin Red Line, where there were so many people in that film to the point where all of a sudden, like, John Travolta's popping up. I'm like, God, you know, do we need him in this too it just was like so many faces and he's in it for like you know two minutes or something and it's it became obnoxious mm-hmm. there were a lot of faces in this but i wouldn't call them like that felt like there were a lot more movie stars just popping up in in these small small roles in this film it felt like a lot of character actors popping up in these small roles a lot of people who i absolutely recognize when they pop up but i i don't feel like um uh, the general populace is going to go, oh, that's Michael Stuhlbarg. What is he doing in this film? And oh, my God, more Carrie Coon. Jeez. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that's um, like I, I felt like it was a good blend of of like the big Merrill and Tom. And and I mean, some of the other ones were more like, you know, Bradley Whitford, I think, has been around long enough where I think he's a lot more recognized. But I, a lot of these faces, like, yeah. I, I would never have been able to pull Jesse Mueller out. And to a certain extent, you could. Like, people who aren't Broadway people could argue perhaps this was her trying to break in and find a way to get into doing more film projects. Sure. So, I, I don't know. I guess I, I didn't have a huge issue with this one, but I can totally understand your perspective um, for those films. And, and if it is a case where there are a lot of faces you recognize, I can absolutely see how it is one of those things where it can start feeling a little obnoxious. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I'm just saying it didn't, it didn't strike me that way with this particular one. Yeah. Fair enough. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a person who rewatches the wire like twice a year. So whenever I, whenever I get to season five and David Costabile pops up, it's like, Oh, it's Doug from flight of the Concords. And now he's, <laughs> and, and, and obviously, you know, now with this being like a film about like newspapers, I was like, yeah, it makes sense that he's popping up to, to, you know, be in the film. 
Uh, but yeah, the, also I should say in this film, there's a lot of parties with a lot of people. So, so I guess you know Steve, they were bound. Yeah. To get, they were bound to get people well, in there no matter what. He's like, I need. This is all. I need 50 people in this scene. So eventually, some someone's going to be reasonably yeah, right. Right. Of, you know. This is also yeah. one of those films that came out. Uh, you know, the the story behind this was they they kind of rushed it through the production of it because of the current American politics that were going on, and Spielberg wanted you know felt the message was important, so rushed it to get it made and get it out all within I think within a year. It was a very mm. fast turnaround with the project, and because of. Um, the the angle the film was taking and what it was saying. I also think a lot of these people, including Spielberg, wanted to be wanted to make sure they were a part of it so that they could kind of have their way of Maybe. voicing their opinion about oh, kind of what poli- what was happening with with kind of media and politics in America at that time. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of makes sense too that then you could say like, you are you really going to shut down this movie with all these yeah, people? Right, you have. Yeah, you have two of the biggest actors, the biggest director, and then all of these people. You're just like, you're yeah. gonna ignore this? You're like, no, <laughs> exactly. you're gonna you're gonna watch it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, interestingly, obviously, you know, the script was written by uh, Liz Hannah, um, who um, like this is the first thing that she'd written. Really, um, she's like in her mid thirties. She was uh, obscenely born in the year 1985. I don't think I can <laughs> agree with people from 1985. She was yet. she was born um, after Splash <laughs> came out. Come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I mean, you know, but she after this, she went on to write Long Shot, which is, you know, like a political comedy. So I think obviously. Oh, yeah. And she wrote uh, an episode of The Dropout, which is, again, you know, uh, it was an enjoyable She TV did some series. of the Mindhunter or Mindhunters, too, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. of Mindhunter as well. Yeah. Working with uh, one of my favorite yeah. directors, because um, uh, obviously I went all the way through social uh network minute by minute but the other screenwriter is i think why bradley whitford probably managed to get himself on this cast is because it's josh singer who was he went to yale and he went to harvard and you know and he worked on uh the the um west wing for a couple of seasons if you've listened to the podcast about the west wing west wing weekly he's been on quite a few episodes of that um Mm -hmm. you know kind of talking about uh like the process of how they did that it was it was funny and this kind of goes back to my it's going to sound like lazy casting, but it was funny to me that in Bradley Whitford's first ish scene, it's a walk and talk through the hallway. <laughs> and I almost think, or like, I almost think they were like looking and it was like, so who do we have here? It was like, well, their first scene is doing this. Who do we know who? It was like, get the, get the cast of West Wing on the phone. Yeah. Uh, Josh Singer, like, he had, he wrote the film The Fifth Estate, which is a, which is, it's an okay film. I saw it at the cinema. It's got Benedict Cumberbatch in. Um, and he did Spotlight directly before this. Uh, which of you know, uh, you know, another newspaper-based film, um, and then after this, he did First Man. Now I saw Fifth Estate at the cinema and Spotlight at the cinema. I didn't see this at the cinema, but I did see First Man at the cinema. So, um, in terms of like, uh, you know, just singers' filmography, uh, I've seen seventy-five percent of it at the he's, cinema. He's um, crazy. It's to think that he's actually working on um, a reboot of Bullet right now, which I don't. I don't know how yeah, I feel about that. It's, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knows that one scene in Bullet, and the rest of the film, I don't know that anybody could tell you the plot of it. I yeah, could tell you the plot because I've read the novel that it's based on, and yeah, but it's like it's mostly known for the score and that one scene with a, a bunch of uh, VW Beetles right. uh, popping up uh, as they go down. They, they go down the hills, and the same beetle keeps popping up because <laughs> they, they're looping round. It's really weird. Uh, but that's the thing to watch out for the next time you rewatch Bullet. 
Um, but yeah, so there's you know there's some kind of connections to uh, the West Wing. You know, there's not just him, but there's other actors who are on the West Wing who kind of pop up in this film as well. Obviously, should go without saying, but I'll say it. Janusz Kaminski, of course, is doing the um, you know the cinematography. Michael Kahn is doing the editing as he always does, and of course, uh, John Williams is scoring the film. Um, they are the they are the Andy yeah, Darren they, Phillips yes, they are, yeah, of, of this yeah. of the Spielberg <laughs> film. <laughs> Yeah, world. Um, it's it's funny actually because uh, obviously you know the you know the films that aren't scored by um, you know uh, Thingamajig uh, by John Williams, John Williams. that Steven Spielberg had done are quite well known because it's you know rare that he doesn't do it. Um, but it, I, I mean I don't I mean I love Wikipedia, but I don't know who wrote like the production thing because they're like Steven Spielberg was working on this and Ready Player One at the same time, much in the way that he worked on Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. I'm like buddy. Uh, I feel, I feel like I mean, you really let's let's say this is it's a, not this is a bit more it's like not unfactual. Well, yeah, but this, it's not. This is closer to when he was working on Amistad and Jurassic Park Two than when he was yeah. working on Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Come on, like right? You know, I mean, I, this is an enjoyable film, but we aren't in Schindler's List territory here. Um, and there's no way that Ready Player or the One... Or uh, I was thinking the other yeah, way. Yeah, Ready Player One like, is not... Or your, yeah. your B movie is not quite... Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, there's the, you know, the, as I said, there's a lot of parties in this. There's a ton of people. Um, but, you know, the ones you really want to concentrate on are obviously Ben Bradley and Catherine Graham. Um, this, in a way, functions as a prequel to All the President's it Men. It absolutely does. Yes. It's like... Yeah, it's so you could watch this and then watch All the President's Men. Everyone should watch All the President's Men. That film is absolutely wonderful, um, you know. And I just love the fact that both Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford kind of hated each other and were trying to one-up each other all the time in that film. And their characters both... Pl- and then after that, watch Dick, because it's a more humorous take on the situation and also uh, features two performances from Will Ferrell and that guy out of Kids in the Hall. And they basically mock the performances of Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, is it Bruce McCullough? Bruce McCullough, yeah. Oh, it's like their pettiness is is basically what was, apparently was going on behind the scenes on uh, all the presidents. Right. So I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, so I, I just love it. Well, that's, that's a really interesting comparison, though, because I think, uh, you know, this is the, well, we haven't really talked about it, but this was like probably the first like major Tom Hanks film that I skipped going out and seeing in the theater. Um that was going to be my yeah, next question, it, Andy. Because, and... you know, I, I'm such a fan of all the President's Men. And I saw the trailer for this and I just, I kind of was like, eh, I don't know how I, I, I don't know how interested I am in kind of coming back and kind of re-exploring this particular world. And so it was interesting. And, and then, and I, I can't help but compare Tom Hanks to Jason Robards every time I watch this movie. And and I I, I don't know if that ends up becoming like my major issue with it is that it just, it feels like, you know, so much of that same world that I, I have a hard time not comparing the two. You have the, uh, you have the Tom Hanks is the Alden Ehrenreich <laughs> yes. to Jason Robards, <laughs> Harrison Ford problem. There it is. That's a, that's a good, that's a good comparison. Um, and Jason Robards was in one episode of the West Wing as well. So yeah, I was, th- I was thinking to myself, what did I see instead of, this film because I was like what did I see December 2017 obviously you already mentioned one I saw uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi in uh, IMAX Um, the ARP winner yes (laughs) I I also I also saw um, in December I only saw like five films but I saw uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle obviously Um, 
you know, um, and then Star Wars, uh, and then well, I saw Star Wars twice because I saw it on opening night, and then I went and saw it in IMAX, uh, and then I saw Pitch Perfect three because uh, I'm a fan of the franchise, um, and that goes in some very weird places, and then I saw Paddington two on uh, New Year's Eve. So that, that hadn't even December, that hadn't so even I, opened. That's a pretty good. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a pretty good group, though. Yeah, and I saw Molly... Like, Paddington... It's funny, Paddington 2 put me, like... I was like, oh, well. <laughs> like, I really set up for that. I do have, I do have pictures from, like... Uh, not my childhood bedroom, but my, my the last bedroom I was in when I lived at my parents. And I had a Paddington duvet cover that had, like, Paddington on, like, a ladder. And it had him doing various tasks. That's the general theme of Paddington, is mm-hmm. he goes around doing odd jobs. Which wasn't really in the first it's film. It's great... But that, in the second film. great. Yeah. Oh, no, the second film's wonderful. The movie's awesome. Yeah. Just him, you know, Brendan Gleeson. I mean, just that should have won. That should have won an ARP. Or <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it was nominated, but I, I hope it was at least. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you ha- you we're have covering to we're co- covering the Paddington to... films next on our podcast. So I am very much looking forward to oh, okay. watching them to see it's... if they uh, they were nominated for any AARP awards. Paddington Two was um, not. Oh. Paddington well, one was I'm not. I'm not going to hijack into a Paddington two podcast, but <laughs> such a good it's movie. Good. It's it's really delightful. Neither. Yeah. No, it no, was not like, either. That's okay. You know, that's a crime right there. No, that's a, yeah. That's. I mean, that's what I have a feeling the post didn't come out over here that like in the same because generally this happens with like the Oscar nominated films. They don't like they'll come out in America in December and then we'll tend to get them January February. Um, so I suspect the post probably came out you know in January. Um, but anyway, I was busy seeing Star Wars and, you know, Pitch Perfect 3. You know, I was, I was watching other things. Like I said, I saw the trailer, same as you, Andy, and I was like, eh. Like, the, the moment where Bob Odenkirk's on the plane, and he's like, and she's like, you know, fasten your seatbelt or whatever, and he's like, and she's like, what's in the box? And he's like, oh, government secrets. Ha ha ha. And you're like, I, I, from that, I was like, I don't know what the tone of this film is going to be. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm not particularly drawn to seeing it. Did you see it at the cinema, Philip? You the, I mean, you... You're gonna no, be the, I no? did not see it. In, Nobody did. No, I didn't. Um, I saw it uh, because I live in Los Angeles. I saw it uh, with friends through their uh, for your consideration uh, oh, uh, yeah. DVDs. Yeah, um, that is one of the perks. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that. I saw it in the comfort <laughs> of a couch. So I mean, I'm. I, Obviously, there's so many real people. We're not going to talk about all of them. Obviously, Bob McNamara, he advised both... He advised the Kennedys and he advised Lyndon B. Johnson. You know, he was generally seen as a, you know, a fairly good... Well, better than Henry Kissinger. Let's prove well. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, a comparison to the person who followed him, better than that guy. Uh, but yes, you know, he was... He was, you know, he was, rel- he was known for being a bit of a hawk and, you know, obviously, you know, funding for the Pentagon was, is never a, a number that goes down. Um, and yeah, so obviously from this, we, we know how bad things really were, but you know, to the, the, the opening scene of the film kind of gives the idea that to the public, he was just like, well, you know, the war's going on and not really kind of actively participating. In it. Well, he kind of, well, but he kind of, it's interesting how the introduction of him is him, you know, being frustrated and like acknowledging, I thought that, yeah, it's not going great, but then he gets out and puts on the face and says, Yay, Ross! Salute the flag. Yeah. We're we're doing great work over there. It's, you know, it's, it's like back he, when, he knows he knows the truth. It's in a time when Democrats, you know, were actually patriots still, and they weren't, <laughs> you know, the people who were trying to sell the U.S. to foreign interests like China. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's interesting about Catherine Graham is she died in two thousand and one. 
Uh, this is only interesting to me. The day before I flew out to New York, uh, on the 18th of July, I flew out to New York in 2001. That sounds like a guilty conscience. <laughs> well, I, I had to get away from the scene of the crime. What can I say? But yeah, so yes, yeah, obviously, you know, it's uh, in, it's really weird because in some ways she's like a nepotism baby. And it's like, congratulations, you're running a yeah. newspaper because your dad ran the newspaper. And obviously, mm-hmm. the you know, the character throughout is shown as being conflicted about taking the, the, the paper public. Um, but she was generally seen as being, you know, a relatively good, you know, like owner of a newspaper. And, you know, the Washington Post was seen as being, uh, I mean, in the film, they talk about it being like, you know, a local paper. But, you know, it, it was kind of her who kind of, you know, took it public, got it a bunch of money and then made it into like a national, um, you know, national newspaper. And it took 12 years after her death before the family sold it on to, you know, yeah. Jeff Bezos. It is. So. It is a it is a plus for this movie, and I mean, and I'm saying it with a grain of salt because I'm like, it had a lot going for it. Where it's like it's Steven Spielberg and Meryl Streep, so yeah, it turns out okay. Um, but that they do, that they still align her so that she's sympathetic. Yeah, you know that they that they don't they don't just couch it as like this was my dad's paper. They have that whole angle of like dad was going to leave it to my husband. Did leave it to her husband first until he killed. Himself, did leave it to right? her husband. Right. Did leave it to her husband. <laughs> Yeah, and and just that angle in her, not fish out of water, that's not the right term, but something like that where it's like, you know, she's obviously we have a whole uh, sexism uh, angle in this movie and it it plays that well uh, to keep you on her side. Right, it really kind of looks at her as this socialite and that was really interesting is like she had this life as the wife, right, where she would hang out with the wives and she was a social butterfly and hung out with all these prominent people but only in the scope of that. And when she took on the, the mantle of running the newspaper, she was still doing that. That's why I, I ended up really kind of connecting with her more as I watched this film. And because she does play it such mm-hmm. with such humanity of this person who's really struggling with this balance of, hey, I want to hang out with all my great friends. Uh, and the, the idea of, you know, I'm running a newspaper and I need to, to actually do, do this job. I thought that was actually pretty interesting. And... W- yeah, and and maybe we can we can get into it scene by scene, but there's a part where she kind of says the almost the thesis of it was like that's yeah. how it was done, and that idea where like if everybody just does how it's done, then like your imagination is limited to what you can do. So she isn't even she is not really even thinking in that way until she's yeah. thinking in that way, and then then she feels yeah. the responsibility to act. Yeah. Um, I should say as well, uh, Pat Healy and David Cross appeared in Ghost World, a film that in 2001, when I was in New York, after, um, you know, Kay had died, uh, I went and saw. So, um, you know, fun fact for everybody. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Well, it's all you full know, circle. I, 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 yeah. The perfect crime. Yeah. Nobody suspected because I've got a ticket that proves I wasn't anywhere <laughs> got a ticket. near. Yeah. I, he just keeps bringing up these yeah. alibis. Uh, <laughs> so... 